of The Drabblecast, episode 483. The Drabblecast is an audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. You want to know something weird? Today's date is 123123, and we're ringing in the new year with a Drabble Bonanza for you folks out there. First, I'm going to let our fan community tell you a couple great Underword stories through the Dribblecast, our fan-run, fan-developed, open-to-anyone baby-sister podcast, because they're just nailing it these days. Then I'm going to hit you with a Drabble of our own from our own managing editor, Nicole Neely, to set the stage for the new year and our feature story, followed at last by our lovely original short story by author Emily Liu. That's the plan, Stanley. So shall we? Let us summon the Dribblecast. Welcome to the Dribblecast, your gateway to the mysterious and fantastical world from the official Dribblecast community. Have you ever wondered what lies beyond the ordinary? Prepare to embark on a journey of strange tales and captivating narratives. I'm your host, Zyavox. Our first story titled, The Summoning, written by Ted Vision, narrated by Di Laffin. From the molten depths of hell to this dirty no-name motel, with a demon I conspire to raise the shaft of fire, that hellspawn might ascend the natural order to offend, to climb to earthly realm and seize the angelic helm, right chalk ring with hand firm, black candles all do burn. I sit and call them near, fiery presence drawing near, my chants get louder still to bend the world to my will, on the walls red lights flash, doors blow open with a crash, flickering shadow of the demon, hands, hands where I can see them. What a way to get the festivities started, raising all sorts of otherworldly shenanigans. Next we have Lights in the Sky, written by Eric Marsh, narrated by Mama Aga. Frank Man lived way up the holler and nobody much visited him. He didn't have no kindred and he didn't talk much. One night, there were moving lights up in the sky out on Frank's way. I heard say that there was some shooting too. <laughs> you should seen what Frank had when he came into town. Had him some pelts he wanted to trade. Frank said it was alien fur. Said he had some of them aliens in a cage for breeding. I ain't never heard no aliens before, but them pelts was about as nice as I did ever see. No one could have imagined greeting the new year in comfort and style. Last but not least, we have Death's Voice, written by Ted Vision, narrated by the author themselves. Shots! shouted Thor, spinning his arm in a circle. Then someone's got to sign up. You do it, said Death. I went last time. You guys made me sing that Luftballoon song because it's German. Don't look at me, Chernwag scowled. They don't have any of my beautiful Slavic songs. Thor and Chernabog looked at Death. It's your turn. 
I'm not singing. You had the voice, said Thor. Voice, voice, voice. Chernabog smacked the table each time. Fine. Order more beer when the shots arrive. In a swirl of black, Death approached the DJ. What do you have by Barry White? Everyone's getting in the spirit. Hope you are too. Remember to party responsibly. Wouldn't want to hear you-know-who singing Barry White covers at your funeral now, would we? Let's start 2024 off right. That wraps up this edition of The Dribblecast, a fan-made creative project in support of the official audio fiction series, The Drabblecast. Hungry for more? Head on over to drabblecast.org to find years of content with more to come. Until next time, keep it weird. Last Christmas by Nicole Neely. She prepares the toys, the reindeer, and the cookies on the eve of his departure, and in secret she weaves evergreen boughs and loops and steeps holly berries in hot reindeer milk. When ancient magic lifts his sleigh into the forever night sky, his booming voice echoes around the pole. The elves are busying themselves cleaning the arcane machines in the factory. As she brings the elves a warm, bitter draft, they do not notice the lingering aftertaste. And that leads us to our feature story, Snow by Emily Liu. Emily O'Malley Liu grew up in Palm Beach County, Florida, and has lived in the American Southwest, the Midwest, New England, and Japan. Em now resides with her husband and three kids in the greater Washington, D.C. metro area, where she researches financial systems by day and devises magic systems by night. Find her online at www.emlu.com. So without further ado, we bring you Snow by Emily Liu. I step out into the deep snow. In my right hand is a flashlight, in my left, a bag of salt. It's a clear night and there is no moon. I move towards the pine wood behind our house, the dark places beckoning with the fears of childhood, bleeding their inky depths towards the starlight overhead. Once I'm in, the treetops blot out the stars and the darkness wraps its finger around my shoulders like an old friend. Here again? I ignore the voices in my head as I continue on. The ground snow is lighter beyond the tree line, thwarted by the forest canopy. The silence, that's what always surprises me about the winter. There is life, yes, but it's buried or sleeping or frozen beneath the iced over lake, the one I used to throw rocks at with my dad to hear the noise they made over the ice, like a power line falling, electric and shocking. My heart pounds so hard it threatens to burst from my chest. Go slow, go slow, it says. Here again, the voice answers. After three years of glum desperation. We always get snow early here. By Thanksgiving, there's a reliable carpet and my dad would take me out for evergreen boughs while my mom worked on the turkey in the house and watched the parade with my younger brother. We'd load up the kids' sleigh with enough evergreen to decorate the mantle and make a wreath and holly for every doorway. 
The holly was my dad's favorite tradition, and he would set himself up like a toll operator and demand kisses for passage from each of us, until my mom, pretend annoyed, would swat at him with whatever she was holding, and he would laugh, loud enough to be heard throughout the whole house. I hear something, in turn, shining my flashlight behind me. I'm deep enough now that the house is no longer in view. I'm completely immersed in the forest. It's like being submerged underwater, like how some people use the term forest bathing, as if you couldn't drown in the forest. Here again. Just a deer, I tell myself, a brave one, to be out and about in the deep darkness tonight. I move on, cautious, alert, my boots like hooves in the snow. There had been no bow gathering this year, or last, or any of the years since my dad had been diagnosed, and my mother hadn't wanted to celebrate Christmas that first year, and my little brother was too little, too little for me to take out on my own. I ought to have continued the tradition the next year. It was my responsibility as the older sister, as the one who ought to have been able to cope with the grief. I should have bundled Ryan up in the puffy red snowsuit of his and taken him out to the woods, but I was too afraid. I'm getting close now, I can sense it, the way the trees thin, leading me to the clearing. There is that sense of entering someone else's house. I'm trespassing here, I'm only barely tolerated. The pine boughs twitch overhead, sending snow down on my shoulders, a warning that something strange has entered here. I step behind a large tree and find what I'm looking for. The creature is a mottled black green, the color of decaying things, and it's sitting in the clearing, warming the snow to a pile of mush like a car left idling in the street. It's squat and toad-like, albeit with none of the warts or charm. Here again? I toss a handful of salt between us, make a line. Hello, I say. The frog slug thing blinks and looks up at me without moving its head. Its eyes are wide apart and watery, and its skin ends in spiny bits that look sharp to the touch. You're three years late. It regards me carefully. You have grown, Jewel. It's true. I feel it, feel myself hovering on the edge, waiting for childhood to fade into the place where make-believe goes. The thing grins, showing too many black teeth and three red tongues. Are you here for Holly, Jewel? I want to run. I want to throw my flashlight at its stupid face, tell it that it cannot scare me anymore, that I'm not a child any longer. It grins and knows these things. It is always known without me having to say them. Your father is not here, Jules. The thought of my dad steadies me. Where is he then? Not here, the creature says again. The last time my dad had been seen, he'd been walking into these woods. I saw him from my window. He took a flashlight and a bag of salt. He came here to bargain. He wouldn't have left here without getting what he wanted. Then you are a child still, placing faith in the adults around you. Where is he? I demanded. The creature looks away, and its silence is as vast as the forest. He came here, it says at last, but he is not here anymore. I don't believe you. It looks at me, and this time I can see the sadness in its eyes. You were such a determined child, Jewel, but you have become a fearful adult, like your father was. My father wasn't afraid of anything. Oh, he was. His diagnosis, to know that one must lose oneself, and so young. It was a very scary thing, wasn't it? Far scarier than I am. So he brought it to me, laid it at my feet. 
if you'll excuse the metaphor. Where is he now? The creature looks reluctant, then it says, I told him I only bargained for Holly. When I wouldn't help him, he moved on. I frown. You mean he went home? I don't know. That's not the direction he moved. It looks beyond the clearing to the place where the ink-black wood thickens. This distresses you, the creature says, to learn something you already knew. I didn't. I swipe furiously at my eyes with my freezing mittens. I didn't know he had died. And you still do not, it says reasonably. The creature's body is warm enough to radiate up the nearest trees, and the snow melts off the branches in a steady drip, drip. I can go after him. For three heartbeats, the only sound is the gentle crackling of the melting snow. You have the confidence of a much younger person. I stopped growing up three years ago. It's then that I know that I've won. Its eyes meet mine, and I knew this was the bargain, this annihilation of the self that the forest craves. The creature stretches its mouth wide, and from its throat comes the electric sound of rocks on a frozen lake, the sounds of ice breaking, cracking, transubstantiating, and behind the ruckus comes the sound of music, songs of winter, of children building snowmen, of holly and bells and auld lang syne. I fall to the ground on my knees in the deep snow. The chords from the holly creature's mouth continue to reverberate around me, filling the forest, sinking into my bones just as the snow seeps into my jeans. I squeeze my eyes shut and my head fills with visions, my father kissing my mother under the mistletoe, tchotchke ornaments hanging above my head on a tree lit with multicolored bulbs, my brother playing with a truck on the carpet on Christmas morning. And there, across the clearing, a path opens through the trees. The wind whips across my face and dries my eyes. He is there. I know it. And if you're lost, Jules... The creature's voice just barely cuts through the wind and the noise, the lone tether to the side of the forest. Who will rescue you? I think of my father, waiting for rescue among the black trees, a prisoner of his own fear, the price he paid to hold on to himself. I think of my little brother, asleep in his bed, knowing that his sister will be there come morning, sure as sunrise. And if I'm not, will he follow me into the dark? Will my mother come next, when her children are gone? Until we are a family of skeleton trees. I look at the black hole in the forest, and the holly creature looks at me. I shake my head, feeling my cowardice melted snow. The path across the clearing disappears. Go home to your family, young one. The creature waves a hand, and I look over my shoulder to see a holly tree. Bring them holly and good cheer. And that was our story, folks, and our final story and episode of 2023. Hope you enjoyed all of it. Or some of it. Most of it. What a year, folks. What an incredibly fast year that was. If you enjoyed that story and the Drabblecast this year, consider supporting the Drabblecast at our Patreon, patreon.com slash Drabblecast. Or just tell a friend, write us a review, spread the weird. Special thanks to our episode artist, Drabblecast art director, Bo Kyer, who never falls short with drawing cool, creepy animals. Check Bo out at bokyer.com. 
Our program is brought to you by Nicole Neely, Bo Kyer, Audrey Kay, Josie Gerwig, Sean Gentry, Melissa Knight, Wyatt Scott, a warm, lumpy, damp thing that woke you up last night when it landed on your face. Hopefully you still don't remember. Joe Pietris, Oren Pratt, Bart Epstein, Anna Rose, Maria Lovett, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you, they don't have any of my beautiful Slavic songs. 